We've been in a series called, What Are You Looking At? And been talking about the things that either distract us from God or the things that God uses that we become really fixated on. Uh, I want to suggest today that people can be another one of those things that takes us away, our focus from God, or things that He uses, and we kind of get fixated on them and not on Him. So let's let's start get started as we pray. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak through your word and through your spirit that we, which we need to hear, that you would humble our hearts, and that you would use any means necessary uh, to call us into a greater grace and to a greater humility, uh, knowing that we are yours and that you have what is good and best for us. In Jesus' name, amen. The topic uh, has been on my heart because, uh, as you may know, we've, we've heard a lot of news about prominent Christian leaders who have fallen and failed and caused a lot of controversy. We've heard of politicians being exposed for things that they had not been honest about. We've had any number of people in our world and on the news and through our life that we suddenly wonder, can we trust them? We suddenly wonder, can we listen to what they've ever said? Uh, and, and take it as as valuable, take it as as righteous, take it as helpful. Um, especially when those people in the faith cause people to doubt God because someone has seen that person as like that embodiment of what they believe that God represents. And then when they make a mistake, when they fall from grace, we suddenly say, how, how could God even be in that person? Do I even know what I believe in anymore? And there's also this thing about people developing an irrational hatred of people who don't believe what they believe. It's it's disturbing how quickly um, our minds can go to just hating people, not because of what they've done to hurt us, but just because of what they think and what they say and how they say it. Uh, and I know this isn't new news. We can read the whole the whole Bible. We can read read throughout any part of general history and see that people have hated people. Uh, people have despised people. People have exalted people. The Caesars, the kings who were, who were called to be divine and yet we say we know that that's not true at all. But the widespread minute to minute exposure of all this is, is a wake up call for us. It's, it's a reality and, and a painful to swallow gift of God uh, that we we see his light shining into the darkness of how we trust our lives to people and how we uh, trust our lives to ideas and uh, our own understanding of what of what's good and what's bad. And in doing so, we miss the bigger view of him and what he stands for. And it's our view of him that we can see on page one of the Bible. After speaking into existence all of creation that we understand can see and beyond uh, he executes a perfect ten finale. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Fundamentally, we are created images of God. This human race was formed from the beginning as the image of God. This is actually why God can tell his people not to make carved and formed images uh, that represent gods that they worship because he had already done that. He had made images in us that point back to him. Amen. Key figures in scripture, the Moseses, the Davids, 
the Daniels. There's just, they're just meant to be glimpses of a greater God, not to be people in, embodied in, in, in our own level of worship and admiration. Um, I have been made to carry a unique expression, a glimpse of God that should point anyone who sees me towards him. You have been created to carry a unique expression of God's nature so that when people see you, they should be able to see a glimpse of God. But Israel and other nations throughout history, they, they made idols of stone and metal and wood to be that tangible control representations of the God they worshipped. And we do it too. We often say that money or status or power are those things that we idolize. But those are just facets of what we're really idolizing, and that is people and ourselves. Have you ever been somewhere that, uh, that just takes your breath away? Grand Canyon... Uh, Niagara Falls or have you ever been to with a person that takes your breath away hopefully it's your spouse (laughs) capturing a photo of that person or of that place when you look back at that picture that image you can you can see one of two things I, I think you can either admire the, the fine detail of the print and the color accuracy and the feel of the paper. Or you can use it to relive the memory of that place or the relationship with that person. You use the image to go somewhere else as a reminder. Unless you're like me. Sometimes I can get a little attracted by print quality and minute details. And that's a cross I have to bear. Unless you appreciate art, then you may not know the model in the picture. You may not have ever been to the place where the painting is of or the picture is of. But, and even in that, you're, you're experiencing a longing for that place, a subjective beauty of that place. Or even just the vision and skill that the artist used in creating that art. You're not sitting there looking at how beautiful that cadmium yellow looks and how that's a good that's a good choice for that you look past the, the materials and into the purpose and the meaning of it with people though images we can get focused on how they look and how they talk and what they do or what they don't do and miss that bigger picture of what they're supposed to represent The biggest distinction between the images and the art and the paintings and pictures and people is that we are animate. We can have free will. We can repackage ourselves. We can change how we look and change how we talk and change what we believe. We can taint other images of God. And we can damage ourselves. That's why the world seems to yell, look at this and then we'll like you. You know, act like this and we'll respect you. You don't like what we like, we'll turn our back on you. Without a clear view of the artist, of the purpose, of the intention, you can't see people for what they are, which is reflections of the maker. Not meant to be meaningful on their own merit, but designed to point our attention back to him. So, that picture is taken of the beautiful vista in France or of your sweetheart and you're shaking that Polaroid 
that does nothing, but it just it makes you feel like you're doing something helpful. Uh, that, that memory is fresh, and the image is as pristine as it will ever be on its own, and nothing's happened to mar it or damage it. But with time, that paper will yellow. Misuse and poor storage will bring cracks and bent corners. And over time, the image will continue to degrade and degrade and degrade. And so it is with our minds and hearts that want to do life on our own terms. From the beginning, when we see a a new baby, we see a glimpse of innocence and purity and humility. And we might see messy diapers and crying, but that's just a, a beautiful, sweet dependence on the family. We look past that. We see the beauty that is in the child. But over time, that child, just like us, start to see and practice comparison and insults and putting people on pedestals and judgment and hate and lust and pride and condemnation because these are all natural to the flesh and they're all tactics of the enemy because they work. They succeed, at least temporarily, in making us feel better about ourselves or making us feel justified as victims of injustice against us. Or making us feel wanted or desired or longing for a hope within our control. But these same things that we practice and we see are just perversions and distortions of God's character. Which is a righteous judgment. A pure love for people. A hatred of evil and sin. Exalting the humble and resisting the proud. As it is with that Polaroid print. Our spiritual image gets abused and misused and misunderstood. And we're not faithful representations of the creator and what he stands for. And this has been humanity's problem since the beginning. We, we kind of want what God wants for us, but we want it our way. And in our own time, so our image becomes uh, faded. It begins to degrade. Jeremiah seventeen nine says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, and who can understand it? This is a deep, deep deep-rooted problem. People with free will, people who choose to rebel against their maker. And then when you get a bunch of these free will-enabled, animate images, corrupted and damaged by their own attempts to find meaning, things, things get messy. Our view of others should draw our attention to the maker. But often... Instead of seeing the character and the nature and the redemptive power of God, we draw our attention to self-righteousness and self-condemnation, covetousness and strife. We don't see others as a lens to God. We see others for who they look like or for what they act like. So we get caught up in looking at people like celebrities and athletes and online personalities and politicians and influences in our circles. We have gotten to be, have a good knack for putting people on pedestals and elevating those who we admire or agree with and demeaning and pushing down those that we don't. But even the best of them and the worst of them and the person in the mirror have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is a value in honoring and respecting and admiring someone, but it's a whole other thing to put your life into their hands, into what they believe, into what they say. In fact, God says, I am the Lord, and that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to idols. But yet that's what we do with politicians, as if they aren't corruptible. We put a hope in them that they'll make our life better. 
That's what we do with celebrities who influence us with their cause of the week. We, we listen because surely the successful people know what they're talking about. That's what we do and make ourselves the center of attention in every conversation. We say, yes, I'm worth listening to always. Conversely, there are, there are ways to disagree with somebody, civil ways. But we develop a hatred that just throws all civility out the window and slanders people's value as creations of God. And it gets even worse if you don't know them personally. You have no idea who they are, how they are behind closed doors. You just judge them for what they say and how they act in public. And then you take the people who like them and support them and lump them all into one big category and resolve to hate them all. What are we to think? It's, it's like we decided to define good and evil for ourselves. It's like everyone gets to decide what's best for them. And it's starting to sound like the strong eat the weak. And by all accounts it was, except that God did not set and forget his creation. He chose a people with whom he wanted to rebuild to a time before we took matters into our own hands. He gave them a law. I said, I have commands to expose the sinfulness and evil that they were exhibiting contrary to their design. And throughout all those ages, he demonstrated his faithfulness and his power and his love and his plan for them. But they could not remain faithful to him. So to honor his promise of his covenant, he did something radical, which brings us to Jesus. God sent his one and only son, Jesus, who is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, the exact image of the invisible God. Jesus didn't have an image problem. He knew who he was and he knew who he represented. He made it clear that he and the father were one. And that if you've seen him, you've seen the father. And he kept that law to a T. And he didn't leave it to rule over us. He ruled over it and fulfilled it. And then he turned our image upside down. Now to serve was to be exalted. And to be first was to be last. And he didn't even leave us an example just to follow. He laid his life down. So that we could have the life that he provided. A perfect life reconciled to the Father by His blood. So now it's Jesus that we can follow and trust in. And it's those who follow Jesus that we can learn from. But James 3 says we all stumble in many ways. So how can any of us demonstrate or teach a life of following Christ without risking falling or failing? We can't accept We can keep ourselves humble and continually point to Jesus. Everything good that we do, by the grace of God, it's Jesus. All that we don't do well, I repent. I I admit. I confess. Even those we, we... Even those that we regard as followers and teachers of Christ in Scripture made it clear that Jesus is supreme. If we observe anything in their life, only regard it as it honors God. 
John the Baptist said, He must increase and I must decrease. This man prepared the way. He preached the repentance of sin. He baptized and was called by Jesus the greatest man to have been born of a woman. Yet he knew that he was always pointing the people to the Savior and not to himself. So when he had his doubt and asked Jesus if another one was coming, do we suddenly throw out everything that he ever said and ever did because he's a failure and he didn't get it right? Or do we do what we should do is hold up anything that anyone does before God that he can judge what is right and what is not? When Paul writes, follow me as I follow Christ, this man had feverishly tried to destroy the Christians and was changed at a fundamental level by the call of Jesus and counts everything that he was and everything that he did as garbage for the sake of knowing the Lord. He admits and says, what I did used to do, don't do. It is not the way to honor God. Even in his ministry, what I do, I don't want to do. And what I don't want to do, I do it anyway. So when he says, follow me as I follow Christ, I can believe that he would say, when I'm not following Christ, don't follow me. (laughs) I'm not perfect. And I never will be. But I'm committed to following Christ the best I can by the grace of God. He wanted to preach Christ and Christ crucified, making Jesus supreme so that others could come to the saving knowledge of the gospel through him only. This salvation that we experience is an absolute miracle. It's a miracle when a faith in Jesus makes us alive and restores our view of God. It's like that worn and tattered print being reintroduced to the Creator and lovingly restored to its original design. And by being connected to the artist, we can also see his handiwork in others. Maybe they're still worn out like us. Maybe they're being refined. And maybe they don't even know their true selves yet. But the same God who's working in you and in me is the same one who's working in them. It's not about repackaging anymore. It's not about comparison. It's about new creations becoming a family, united by the Spirit and the blood of the Savior. But as soon as we take our eyes off of that reality, we fall right back into performance, perception, preference, and pride. There's a passage in Philippians 2 that I like to read. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God to be used to his advantage. But he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man. 
He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. It is through Jesus, it is through Jesus that we can point people to the glory of God. It is through Jesus that we ourselves can see the glory of God. But where it gets difficult is living it out day to day and moment to moment because life comes at us fast, as fast as we'll let it. So we should encourage each other to make that first thing, to make that main thing, spending devoted time with God, asking Him to remind you of the great love and value that He had for you, even while you were still His enemy, even while you were still in rebellion. And then ask, who can you show that love and value to and how? Trusting that wherever he calls, he will give you strength to do it. Remember that someone doesn't have to be your cup of tea to recognize that they're human, valuable, and loved by God. They may not have a great track record or understand your worldview, but you can ignore, you cannot ignore the power of God's redemption you can love them too. If he extended grace to you, made you a new creation, no one is too far from him. In a marriage, learn to be honest and be heard, but do so in love. Because God can use kindness through you that leads to repentance. With children, teach and demonstrate righteousness. God will allow their decisions, good and bad, to lead him closer to his call. And at work, do what you do as to the Lord. God does not guarantee promotions and salaries, but he honors faithfulness. And I want to read this passage from Romans 12 fairly slowly, because there could be one thing that really stands out in your life, and another for someone else, as to how we see each other in the family of God, and how we can even see those who are not here yet. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. And outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own eyes. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. After reflecting today on 
our image as being a restoring image being more and more made clear as a reflection of God's nature and and as we have reflected on the image of God that others naturally are may not look like yet whether they're saved or not will you see people differently today knowing your need for grace can you extend it to someone else and can you look for God in their life let's pray Father we want to honor you and your name with our life we want to be faithful ambassadors of the gospel and your kingdom teach us to love as you love and to see the ways that you can bring glory from these jars of clay spirit lead us to practice love towards one another in such a marvelous way that people know that we are yours in Jesus name. Amen.